Hello and welcome to worship for today, 26th of February 2023. It's just two days after the one year anniversary of the beginning of the war in Ukraine, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and we'll be taking note of that through the service. It's also the first Sunday in Lent, and our theme today, appropriately enough, is about testing temptation and what it means to us. Let's begin by calling ourselves to worship as we sing two songs, Lord I come to you and light of the world. Lord I come to you, let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace that I found in you. Is I see in me will be stripped away by the power of your love. Hold me close, let your love surround. Surround me 
darkness Open my eyes, let me see Beauty that made this heart adore you Hope of a life spent with you Here I am to worship Here I am to bow down Here I am to say that You're my God You're all together lovely All together worthy All together wonderful to me Let's pray. Lord, on this day, the first day of Lent, we begin to think afresh about your testing 
your temptations and particularly your road to the cross. We thank you for what you did for us. We thank you that you've called us to come with you on that journey. We thank you that the cross leads to the resurrection and to eternal life and we rejoice in that today. But Lord, as we walk with you for these next few weeks, may we be close to you. May we have a new understanding, a new realisation of the cost to you and the cost to ourselves of being your disciples. Speak to us today, Lord, we pray. And help us to be conscious of your presence and of our presence with hundreds of thousands, with millions of people who share in worship with you today. Lord, bless us as we hear your word and sing your praises. Amen. We're going to listen to our first psalm. It's Psalm 31. And it's spoken by Ukrainians from their shelters, looking to God to sustain them and to help them in times of trial. It's exactly what some of the psalms were intended for. Think of David in his cave in Adullam, hiding from Saul and speaking out these psalms, asking for protection. Well, let's join those Ukrainians today. Для дорогенька хору псалом Давида. На тебе надіюся, Господи, хай не буду повік засоромлений. Визволь мене в своїй правді. Нахили своє ухо до мене, скоро мене порятуй. Стань для мене могутньою скелою, дом твердий, щоб спасти мене. Я зненавидів всіх, хто шанує повбанів марних. Я ж надіюсь на Господа. Я буду радіти та тішитись в Твоїй милості, щоб побачив Ти гори моє, щоб приглянувся Ти до скорботи моєї душі. І мене не віддав в руку ворога. На місці розлоги поставив Ти ноги мої. Помилив мене, Господи, потісно мені. Від горя вже виснажилось моє моє. Душа моя і нутро моє. Бо скінчилось життя моє в смутку, а роки мої у квилінні. Моя сила спіткнулася через мій гріх, і виснажились мої кості. Я в усіх ворогів своїх став посміховищем, надто сусідом своїм. І страхіттям знайомим моїм, хто бачить на дворі мене, утікають від мене. Я забутий у серці, немов той небіжник, став я немов та розбита посудина. Бо чую багато шептання, страхання навколо, як змовляються разом на мене. Вони замишляють забрати мою душу. А я покладаю надію на тебе, о Господи. Я кажу, ти мій Бог. В 
свою руку, кладу свою долю. Ти ж визволь мене від руки ворогів моїх і моїх переслідників. Засяй світлом свого обличчя на твого раба. Спаси мене у своєму милосерді. Господи, не дай мені осоромитись, адже я кличу до тебе. Нехай осоромляться нечестиві і змовкнуть у шоолі. Нехай заніміють обманливі уста, які зухвало зі зневагою наговорюють на праведника. Яка ж велика твоя доброта, яку ти приготував для тих, що тебе шанують та на тебе покладаються і виявляєш її перед усіма людськими нащадками. Ти їх у заслонні обличчя свого заховаєш від людських тенет. Ти їх від лихих язиків у наметі сховаєш. Благословенний Господь, що вчинив мені милість чудову свою в оборонному місці. А я говорив у своїм побентеженні. Я відрізаний сперед очей твоїх. Та дійсно, ти вислухав голос благання мого, коли я до тебе взивав. Любіть Господа, усі святії Його. Стереже Господь вірних, а гордому злишком відплачує. Будьте сильні, і хай буде міцне ваше серце. Усі, хто надію покладає на Господа. Псалом 31. Faithful one, so unchanging, ageless one, you're my rock of peace, Lord.
Gospel reading is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It's written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. 
All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. There's a story told of an older couple sitting in a pub somewhere in Yorkshire. And the woman's looking a bit frustrated and a little bit unhappy. And she turns to her husband and says, Do you know, you never tell me you love me. He looks at her and says, Pet. Actually, that would be Geordie, wouldn't it, really, if he said pet. If I ever stop loving you, you'll be the first to know. Well, it might be nice to have the security of knowing that you'll be the first to know if anything changes. But how much better to actually be told now and again. As Jesus enters into his temptations, he does so with a very public affirmation by God that he does love him. Remember, Jesus comes out of the water when he's baptised and he hears a voice, this is my beloved son. And straight away he goes out into the desert for his temptations. If we wind forward a few years, we find Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And again, a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son. And from there he goes into, in a sense, his next and hardest period of temptation. He moves towards the cross. Lent is a, a bit of a mixture. It focuses on the 40 days in the wilderness but it also takes place in the 40 days leading up to the story of the cross. The two periods of time are linked in our thinking and both of them are preceded by God's expression of love. We know in our times of temptation, what can sustain us very often is the knowledge, the memory of times when God has been close to us and the certainty of his love for us. So as Jesus entered into his time of temptation at the start, start of his ministry, and as he entered the path to the cross, he did so with this voice ringing in his ear, you are my beloved son. When we face trials of whatever sort, remember that what happens to us is under the gaze of a God who loves us hard as that may seem to understand sometimes what kind of feelings did you get as you looked at that picture what kind of ideas and understandings did you see yourself in that picture have you ever felt that way we all have some understanding of what Jesus went through 
Because as we read in Hebrews, he was tempted in the same sort of ways that we are. More intensely, of course. But still, the same kinds of things. And as we look at the story of Jesus' temptations, we can so easily see ourselves in it. And we can draw lessons from what he endured and the way he responded. So... Christ was tempted. We know the three temptations to turn stones into bread, to seek wealth and power, to put God to the test. These had a particular meaning for Jesus. He was tempted to misuse his power, status and relationship with God to fulfill his own needs and desires rather than being true to his calling for God and to avoid the path of suffering. You could summarise Satan's strategy as turning ordinary human appetites into a bad thing, promoting wealth and power as things to aspire after and offering self-glorifying shortcuts instead of the path of obedience. Just as Adam was tempted in Eden, Jesus was tempted to assert himself rather than submit to God. Yes, he was free to do these things, as Adam was free to take the fruit from the forbidden tree. But it wasn't something to be done. Does this all sound familiar in respect of our own lives? That's because these are the root of most temptation. They're summed up neatly in 1 John 2, verse 16. All that is in the world... The desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride in riches comes not from the Father, but from the world. Stones into bread. Putting quite proper appetites and pleasures before God. Enjoying food becomes gluttony. Sexual pleasure becomes lust. Worshipping Satan Valuing wealth and glory more than obeying and worshipping God. Ambition and the desire to be fulfilled in our work. Perfectly good things. They become self-aggrandizement. Serving others gives way to lording it over others. Money becomes an end, not a means. And then jumping off the temple, I hadn't actually been tempted to jump off the top of a little Sutton church. But in my own life, it's about self-glorifying shortcuts instead of obedience. The path of hidden service gives way to public display and searching for adulation from others. Faithfulness in small things is overlooked in favour of public honour. And admiration. I always think there are going to be some surprises in heaven when we see who really are the first and who really are the last. Temptations are many and varied and especially suited to our particular weaknesses and temperament, but they have these common areas of conflict our wealth, our bodies, and appetites and our pride. That's why when 
Francis of Assisi founded an order of monks, the Franciscans, in the 12th century. The vow he demanded was in direct opposition to these great areas of temptation. Poverty, because we lust after wealth and glory. Chastity, because our bodily appetites, particularly our sexual appetites, get out of control. Obedience, because we want to be in charge and have power over people. Poverty, chastity and obedience. In our generation, these three themes were picked up by the author Richard Foster in his book simply titled Money, Sex and Power. The three great temptations. But it's even more subtle than that. You could say that these are three arenas of temptation. And we can actually be tested in the opposite ways in each. For example, we can be tempted to feel proud and self-confident. But we can also be tempted to feel valueless and worthless. But this is all normal. No testing has overtaken you that's not common to everyone, Paul tells us in Corinthians. Jesus himself was tempted. How does that encourage us? Well, first, Jesus knows what we're going through. This was not the only time when Jesus was tempted, even more so in the Garden of Gethsemane. These trials make it possible for the writer to the Hebrews to talk about Jesus as a high priest who can truly empathise with our trials because he was tempted in every way, just as we are. He truly understands. Be encouraged. Jesus knows what you're going through. Second, Jesus overcame. And so can we. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. He overcame as we will, through the Holy Spirit and the word of God. Luke chapter 4 tells us that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit as he entered into his time of temptation. He spoke the truth to himself and to the devil to combat the temptations. We have the same spirit in us to guide, warn and sustain us. We have the same truth as a weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. But most importantly, this is more than just Jesus as an encouragement or Jesus as an example. This is a demonstration that Jesus has been victorious on our behalf. In his life of perfect obedience, in his temptations, in his sufferings and death, Jesus was our representative, living our life, dying our death. What we cannot do, he did. When all was sin and shame, a second Adam to the fight and to the rescue came. The guilt of sin is washed away. The power of sin is broken. Nothing stands between us and God's love. Nothing is preventing us from following God wholeheartedly and being changed daily from glory to glory until the day when we are perfect in him. We have the seed of God in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Sin will not have dominion over us. We're on an unstoppable march to perfection and to glory. 
we're his beloved. He will keep us from falling. He'll restore us when we fail and will in due time present us faultless before his father. You sometimes feel like me, we seem a long, long way away from that. But that is the certainty, that is the promise. We will be presented faultless. We will be continually perfected because God's power is at work in us. And if we fail, or rather when we fail, John says in his first letter, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The righteous fall seven times, it says in Proverbs, but they get up again. No amount of failure will diminish his love for us. So be confident. Be confident in your own individual battles, in your own individual life. Be confident as we share in the trials and the, the, the hard tribulations of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and in other parts of the world where they're suffering. Because God is there. God sustains. God will uphold. Trust in him. Amen. We are tested and wrestle alone Famished for bread When the world offers stone Nourish us God By your word and your way Food that sustains us By night and by day When in the desert we cry for relief pleading for paths marked by certain belief lift us to love you beyond sign and test trusting your presence our only true rest We are tempted to barter our souls Trading the truth for the power to control Teach us to worship and praise only you Seeking your will in the work that we do When we have struggled and searched through the night Sorting and sifting the wrong from the right 
Saviour, surround us with circles of care, angels of healing, of hope and of prayer. Today, in common with many Christians around the world, we're remembering the suffering of those in Ukraine and praying for an end to that war. I'm going to read some things that were written to help us think about what to pray for. These are from the Methodist website. Prayers for Ukraine. On 24th of February 2022, Russia launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. This came eight years after the illegal annexation of Crimea and the beginning of conflict in the Donbass region. It's difficult to estimate how many people have died as a result of this war, but it's likely in the hundreds of thousands. Around 8 million Ukrainians have been internally displaced, with a similar number seeking refuge abroad. The loss of homes and lives has been truly devastating. While combat is now concentrated on particular areas in the east and south of Ukraine, Russia has increasingly targeted missiles on critical infrastructure and cities across the country. Air raids and blackouts have become a regular part of life for many Ukrainians who are enduring a cold winter without power, fear for their loved ones on the front lines and grief for those they have lost. Bishop Christian Alsted, who has Episcopal oversight of the United Methodist Church in Ukraine, writes this. Things are getting worse and the war is taking its toll on the strength of the pastors and leaders. Nevertheless, an amazing ministry of hospitality to fellow Ukrainians and care for the community is going on, and in the churches people continue to gather for worship, prayer meetings and even children's and youth ministry. Where in-person gatherings are not possible, people meet online. There are three main prayer concerns lifted up by our people in Ukraine and we'll pause after each one so we can bring it before God. Pray for the protection of the Ukrainian people who are facing a long and cold winter with frequent missile and drone attacks. Pray for the protection of critical infrastructure, such as power plants and water supplies. Pray that God will stop the war and bring peace, justice and reconciliation to all of the Ukrainian people. And we remember that there are many, many Christians in Russia also. Bishop Edward Kege, who's Bishop of the United Methodist Church in the Eurasia area, including Russia, writes this. The conflict between Russia and Ukraine brings a lot of pain to our society and our churches in Russia. Many people have polarised opinions. Politics 
comes to every church and every family. How can we be Christians in the midst of this tragedy? How can we be peacemakers? Millions of Ukrainians, mostly from Eastern Ukraine, move to Russia and seek refuge. Hundreds of thousands of Russians left the country because they disagree with the present action of our government or are afraid to be drafted to the army. We have friends including members of Methodist churches who are now in Kyrgyzstan, Georgia, Kazakhstan, Turkey, Europe and USA. It's very sad that people have had to leave their country. We continue to pray for peace, for this conflict to end, for hope to increase. Let's join together with a, a prayer that's suggested. God of refuge, we pray for those endangered by war. We think of soldiers on the front lines, civilians under missile fire, and those forced to leave their homes. Shelter them under your wings and keep them safe. God, who binds all wounds, we pray for those in pain. Whether their suffering is physical, emotional or relational, we ask for your healing power. God who comforts those who mourn, be with those who are bereaved. Help them through this difficult time. God of redemption, we pray for President Putin and all who support this war. We know that no one is beyond your reach and pray that you will touch their hearts. God of justice and peace, we cry out for an end to this war. We have no power to stop an army, but we put our trust in you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Amen. Our final hymn reminds us that in all temptations, in all suffering, we are held in the love of God, in heavenly love abiding.
may God's blessing, God's grace be with us, with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, with all those Ukrainians who had to flee, with those we may know, those we don't know. And may God's blessing be with all Christians throughout this earth, from now until he comes. Amen.